Hi, Steve here. If I look a little bit uh, cloudy in my eyes, in my head maybe, it's because I went to see family, relatives in another state, much colder than here. But if you live up north, like in Buffalo, New York, or places like that, I don't have to tell you just how brutal this weather was. So stay warm. Let's try to stay healthy as much as you can. Take your vitamins and supplements and be as healthy as you can because the attack is on. We're almost there into a brand new year. What will it mean? For some, it'll mean more heartache and sorrow. For others, it will be an awareness that they've never had before in their entire life. And for others, who knows what it will be. Sadly, for still too many, they blindly march right into the pit. Their ignorance and their apathy combined with their compliance to tyranny will guarantee their end. I want to salute those who are on death row through their own ignorance, their willingness to comply to tyranny that someone told them they must comply with in order to keep their job. Let's reflect on those who haven't died quickly, but are still enduring with much pain, suffering, and who lack the full life they once had. They're ill because they believed those who said they must do as they're told. Over the last two years, few things have received more censorship than exposure of vaccine harms. But as with any crack, damn, the gaffer tape and superglue will only hold for so long. And the full burst is inevitable. We're there now with the tidal wave of lived experiences completely washing away the bobblehead cries of it's safe and effective. After being injured by the vax, he wants the world to know the truth about these shots. Wayne, thank you so much for joining us. Can, can we start at the beginning and, and can you tell us exactly what your experience has been after taking your, your COVID jab? It's been pretty horrendous, really. Um, I, I got hooked into that fear campaign that's they're all quite safe and effective. Um, I needed to do it to keep my family safe. And so I did. Um, but almost straight away within hours, I was suffering from crippling headaches. Not just like a normal headache, but like crushing headaches. Um, but the doctors that I contacted uh, pretty much straight away, they just would not listen. They repeatedly don't worry about it. It's just normal side effects. And it was like reading from a monologue. It was just constant for days and days. Um, no matter how worse I got, um, they still wouldn't listen. Um, so I, give, I had to give up work in January of this year, officially. Um, I tried to go back to work, tried to do different things. Um, it just didn't work for me. Um, fatigue, neurological issues, headaches. Um, I had some really bad health, health again at the end of last year, and it I was being blue-lighted back in the hospital um, repeatedly just because they couldn't get the information under control that was caused by the vaccine. This is what they've said all along. It's directly linked to the vaccine. 
a friend of mine shared a tweet with me. The tweet was from a professional rugby club physiotherapist called Adam Rowland. Adam was calling on journalists to help spread the word about his vaccine injury. Now, he tagged plenty of big names and got nothing in response. Not that I'm surprised, but that's the whole point of what we're trying to do here. So we're very happy to welcome Adam. Adam, let's start at the beginning. What what happened to you immediately after after you took the, the vaccine? Yeah, so immediately after the vaccine, Gareth, you know, I developed um, a flu-like a flu-like episode, if you like. I was in bed for four or five days, shivering, sweating, um, you know, what you'd expect from a virus, really. So what, what are things like for you now? Basically, as every week went by, you know, I developed more and more symptoms. It's quite unbelievable the amount of symptoms I developed. So after the fever... Um, the next thing that I developed was insomnia with fits in my bed. I couldn't lie flat in bed, which I still can't now. So I'd have fits 15 times a night. I developed palpitations and arrhythmias in my heart. Um, I then went on to develop um, double vision, face rashes, yellow eyeballs. Um, and this, this continued, Gareth, um, over about a six-month period. I went back into to my GP with uh, telephone calls to report it, um, and at this this moment in time, Gareth, after the the um, you know after the vaccination, the GPs weren't doing face to face appointments, so they just kept telling me it was anxiety and panic attacks. Um, I actually needed to take a month off work, um, while they gave me sleeping medication and um, offered me antidepressant medication, which I, I knew it wasn't, but um, you know I just. You know, I listened to my GP, um, and then then from there, Gareth, it just progressed at a horrendous rate. Um, GP started sending me to neurologists as I developed uh, neurological problems, like I um, my fingers are all flexed. I've got neuropathy neuropathy in my hands. Um, I've got neuropathy in my legs. All my muscles are wasting away. So he sends me to a neurologist who again. You know, I was just baffled as the cause of it. Um, and by this stage, I said to him, I said, do you think this could be the COVID vaccination? You know, I'd been suffering, um, you know, over six months with it by then. And the guy was a well-thought-of professor, and he just turned around to me and went, yeah, it, it could well be. But he just sort of laughed at me and said, um, you know, there's nothing we can sort of kind of do. And then as time went on... Um, Got, got into this year, into 2022, um, I became breathless. Um, I started to get constant chest pain in my chest. Um, I'd already been on ACU with my heart. My heart was going on to, into VT at this point. Um, but they couldn't find the cause. They just kept selling me. It was bamboozled. They didn't know what was going on. She's in a wheelchair, unable to make her own food or do the most basic daily tasks. She joins us now. Katrina, welcome to Right Now. Can you tell us what happened? Um, yeah, so I got the COVID vaccine, the Pfizer COVID vaccine. And um, it was... It was just after about five days that I started to get um, symptoms. I didn't really think anything of it, but fast forward to eight months and I can't even walk properly sometimes. Um, I'm just in a really bad state at the moment. What, what were the sim- symptoms that you that you felt after after five days? Um, they were insomnia. Um, I had some white rashes that was, 
at the area where I had the injection and then that kind of spread everywhere all over my body and then I've also felt quite sick um and then like one great uh, big thing was I started to lose my memory so so what was I was just going to ask what what your your life was like just before you you had the, the vaccine did um my my life was really good i'm actually in my own like spa area where i used to work um and being here is actually quite um hard for me because this is where i used to see my clients like every day or like a lot and yeah, so I used to work, I had my own business, I was studying, I had a really great social life that I kept up really well and I, I was really fit, I was really healthy, I got my whole family involved in like runs and it was just a really good life before never had anything going on with me so this is bizarre we came out of covid first i described that in my book my conversations with albert borla pfizer and i persuaded him to give tiny israel uh the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the covid and the reason i could do that is because we have a database 98 percent a medical database 98% of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with the, uh, Meningitis. What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the, the lab for Pfizer. So Israel became, if you will, the, the lab for Pfizer. Aman Jabi has worked in Silicon Valley for 28 years. His background includes work on deep technologies that are involved in the new digital prison system being designed by big tech. In 2020, he moved to Montana and became a whistleblower, warning the public of the very real threat about to be unleashed upon us all, known by many as the Mark of the Beast system. Aman explains how accepting the digital ID is the basic premise behind it all. So by default, a digital identity implies that you are always in a digital prison. Since you have a digital identity and you're in a prison, you are by default a criminal, so we don't trust you. Just like the old system, this new one is also voluntary. And you are supposed to know that it's a digital prison that you are voluntarily signing up for. And the reason for this is because in this new system, having a digital ID will be proof that you are a criminal. Because having a digital ID means that you are in a digital prison. And because you accepted it, you must be a criminal. Because of this, there is a new protocol being introduced with this system, known as zero trust. How is zero trust going to be used? Here's a lady, she wants to go and buy some beef, but let's say her carbon footprint or her beef footprint for the month has been exceeded, that door won't open. This digital prison is sneaking up on us all. There is no need for an implanted chip. 
because everything is being done with facial recognition, which is already plugged into the entire system. America already has more cameras per capita than communist China, and our social credit score is already being logged. All we need at this point is a series of events that lead us all into having to make the choice of either accepting the new digital ID or saying no. Since the COVID lockdowns, new state-of-the-art LED lights have been replacing streetlights in cities throughout the West. Aman explains that this is all part of the plan. These lights will be connected to everything, including your phone and your car. And in new cars, that includes 16 different cameras with LiDAR and sonar. These lights are being outfitted with LED incapacitators, which is a light technology that was first announced 15 years ago, back when it caused enough brain damage to make a person sick. Another strange weapon in the final stages of development is able to mount an all-out barrage on the optic nerve. The LED incapacitator was developed under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security for the purposes of creating what we call a non-lethal defense system. And uh, this technology consists of a bright set of LED technology, light-emitting diodes, uh, that is designed to create uh, sort of temporary blindness, meaning temporary ability to not be able to see the person who we're trying to protect. If aggressors caught in its bright pulsating glare don't shield their eyes or turn away quick enough, Temporary blindness isn't the only effect they'll feel. The first time I saw the LED, I was in a darkened room, and within three or four seconds, I had reached forward and grabbed a hold of a lab bench because I was feeling a little bit uh, uh, dizzy or disoriented. The device's combination of different colors and random flashes can induce psychophysical effects, including vertigo and possible nausea. It's been nicknamed the puke light. It's been 15 years, and our Silicon Valley whistleblower believes that this technology is now capable of killing people. Ultimately, we can say no to this. But if there's a critical mass that doesn't sign on to the digital ID, then this agenda gets weakened substantially. But we will have to first unify and come together. Jesus said something that we should have paid attention to over 2,000 years ago, because it's the same today. This account of James and John's mom, like any good mother, wants the best for her sons. So she goes to Jesus and asks him to allow her sons to sit at the right and the left hand with Jesus in his kingdom. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons, and she knelt down to ask him for something. He said, what do you want? And she said, promise that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Oh, we're able, they said. He said, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the 10 disciples heard this, they were ticked off because these two brothers kind of went behind them and wanted to have that preeminence. So Jesus called them over and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you 
must be your slave, just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. Notice the contrast that Jesus gave here as far as how the world treats you and how Christians are supposed to function. The rulers of this world lord everything over you, and those in high positions are tyrants over us. Notice he said high positions. He didn't say high authority. The fact is our compliance gives them their authority. We're giving it to them when we comply. When we don't comply with their evil, they have no power over us, none anymore. Think about it. 